Deckard has a baby, and it's not Ryan Gosling. Hey, girl, this is spoilers. <laughs> hey, oh. the soberest i've podcasted in a long time that's one of the best intros i've had in a long time go figure that's pretty much the movie man we're done <laughs> we're done here correlation does not mean causation very fair point and i'm glad we'd have someone like mikey on the podcast who knows so much about science mikey you picked the original blade runner in our movie game how's it going and what'd you think uh it's going pretty well uh don't remember much plot wise like specifically but i love the movie overall i thought it was a great science fiction film and i'll definitely probably go see it again now that i have my movie pass hey oh mine just came in the mail you. too damn it oh yeah you used the movie pass for this film right to go yep have you used yours yet i have not no so <clears throat> was it pretty easy though was it everything you expected uh i mean besides you have to like be within 100 yards of the movie theater and then hope that the the showing isn't sold out it was pretty easy I mean, other than that, I mean, I would like to reserve a seat, but it's not perfect, but you pay 10 bucks a month for unlimited movies, so I can't complain too much. So you still bought your ticket online? You just had to be, like, with that close to the theater? Uh, I mean, you don't really... You just, like, reserve a ticket. You don't get to choose where you uh, sit or anything like that. You just... When you log on to the app, you reserve a ticket, and then they'll hand you a ticket, and then you can choose from there, but... Nice. Yeah, you don't to choose any of that stuff beforehand well the voice you heard there too let's not get ahead of ourselves jordan from north carolina with his train whistle jordan same question how are you doing and what'd you think <laughs> uh doing pretty well uh i also really like this movie um this was i think a really good follow-up to the first one i i liked it better personally uh than the original blade runner um, but i'm sure we'll get into that later on yeah so if you come to listen to some in-depth analysis and and commentary on the deep themes you've come to the wrong podcast we were just talking about this beforehand none of us remember the movie at all <laughs> all two and a half like, hours I think like a theme of both movies though is like you don't really understand the whole like i couldn't tell you what the plot of the first one was like why are, why is deckard chasing down these replicants i mean it doesn't really make any sense they've been on earth forever I think we've all got a handle on like the overarching story, but it's the the finer points that are pretty easy to lose in a three hour movie. Well, and like the whole Blade Runner, it's more of an experience than even watching like a solid movie. Like similar to the first one, there's lots of establishing shots. It's very slow burn. Like it's more about being in the world, but this this does have a little bit better plot. And and like we hinted at the top, uh, Ryan Gosling, Agent K. Uh, is a replicant in a relationship with his phone, similar to her. Uh, I was surprised how big of a part of the movie that was. Do you guys want to comment on that a little bit? His sexy-ass Siri girlfriend. Hey, Siri, let's have a threesome. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Was that even a threesome? Because it seemed like it was just sex with some other girl. (laughs) Yeah, so if you haven't seen the movie, Ryan Gosling has his android digital girlfriend. Uh, it's very similar to her. Have you guys seen that movie? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it was a lot more fleshed out as far as like how the technology works and like they can upgrade pretty easily and it's more controlled, I guess. But it also is a weird like analogy for how he's being controlled as well. 
Yeah, and she appears as like a hologram and she wants to have sex. So they bring in like an actual lady to have sex who has like parts later in the movie. Uh, Mikey, what do you think about that sex scene? Uh, I mean, as far as sex sex scenes go, I mean, you don't see anything. So, I mean, it's not the sexiest sex scene, but uh, it's definitely... <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely like the most existential uh sex scene i guess you would probably have to have seen in a while i mean uh k who is ryan gosling uh officer k i mean he has he's been dealing with a lot of stuff all the way up through this entire movie until then and his ai counterpart his girlfriend uh kind of like I don't know, kind of like sympathizes with him and realizes that he needs some companionship that she can't offer. So she kind of hires this prostitute to kind of take care of his needs. She's watched him play his own K, his <laughs> lowercase K, too many nights. <laughs> so she tries to to help him out. Um, yeah, so that, that ends up like being like the most human connection in this whole movie. Um and yeah, I guess to sort of touch on the overarching story, then Ryan Gosling learns that um, there's been some sort of uh, Harrison Ford's had a baby with this other replicant. Uh, the question of From whether Harrison movie. Ford is a replicant, yeah. Well, the question of whether Harrison Ford is a replicant or not isn't answered. Correct? That sounds like the Blade Runner's coming for me right now with the sirens. Going. <laughs> <laughs> I. I thought that it was during the movie, but the more I thought about it, they never really explicitly say. There's also a few points where, like, they show K as being, like, way, way stronger than Deckard. So, like, if Deckard is a replicant, like, maybe he's an older model and so he's a bit weaker, but it doesn't seem like the models are that separate. And so. Or he still doesn't know that he is. Yeah, that. Yeah, he doesn't know he can just go crashing through brick fucking walls. Yeah, so I mean, the whole plot of the movie hinges on either uh, Deckard as a person has a baby with a replicant or two replicants have a baby together. I mean, for me, it's a much better story for like what they're trying to tell if like these things can now have babies because I mean, like, we've really crossed the line of like they can, you know, breed within themselves, but Mm. I think it's still a little bit ambiguous um what about jared leto's part that was heavily featured in the trailers uh the whole birthing of the replicants um what do you guys think about that part this is the part of the movie that i just like just have a hard time understanding is i don't know the motivation in the first movie of the guy who's creating the replicants and of this movie of jared leto's character creating like why they're so hell-bent on like I, I don't even know why they're creating these replicants other than for like free labor or <laughs> something like that. But Jared Leto's motivations are like really, uh, I don't know, just ambiguous, I guess is what I would say. 2049 lacked the whimsy of the land of the misfit toys that the original <laughs> Blade Runner brought up in that creation scene. Jordan, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I would mostly agree with Mikey. Like, the way that uh, Leto speaks in the movie, it's, like, a lot of, like, riddles, and he's, like, like he just talks in these, like, long, drawn-out sentences where you kind of, like, lose where he started by the time he's finished. Also, I just don't really fucking like Jared Leto, and I 
hated his character in this too. I think he's a jackass and he like always seems like the same dude. I actually didn't mind him. I think it like required a a weird guy to play the role and if you're gonna have a weird guy, Jared Leto's that guy. Also he looks like a replicant, so He does. I liked his uh how he was blind, I think, but he like had those little things that like hovered around and like like went into Mm. his eyes Mm -hmm. like through contacts or something i guess i'm not sure if he was blind but he had like Mm -hmm. his little robots that hovered around could like see for him which is pretty cool the aesthetics of this movie i kind of touched on earlier but that's like really what makes it um the hans zimmer score is phenomenal uh it looks like the same universe as the original one and the shot that like sticks out uh in my head are well i guess one the scenes with Harrison Ford when they're sort of establishing it with those weird statues and like the desert or something mm-hmm. is, is very mm-hmm. interesting. And then I also really liked how it's like there's this in 2049 LA has this ginormous, like Trump built a wall against the ocean type deal. And then just the waves like crash against it and they kind of like fall there. Um, I liked how they was able to sort of like within the city of Los Angeles, show like these two different climates and, settings uh do you guys have any like anything on the the music or the look or anything that stood out from you aesthetically uh I i just saw a lot of the like the opening shots like across the city and like the landscapes were really cool um there was also one scene i forget exactly when it was but there's like a fire and there you see like the ashes going up and then then it like those ashes burning like into the sky turn into like city lights and you like zoom back in on the city that was a really really cool shot for me yeah i think uh the cinematography and like just the overall aesthetic and design and thought that was put into this movie is like what really sells the whole the whole movie for me. I mean, if you were going to realistically think about what the future is going to look like, I think this is the most accurate depiction that's ever been put on screen. And like from they have thought about everything from top to bottom, like every single detail of this movie has been like thoughtfully uh just like overlooked and like even down to the food that uh sapper the guy uh batista was playing in the beginning of the movie who was a a replicant like he's farming grubs and like scientists for years have been saying like in the future meat is not going to be an option we're going to have to go to like a different type of protein based type food and it's going to be bugs like all of that kind of stuff just yeah yeah just top to bottom <laughs> everything in this movie has been like so well thought out it's really it's amazing and like like you said pep like the score is incredible it's it was like it was pulled straight out of the the first movie but hans zimmer kind of m- made it his own yeah i think there was there were a lot of like callbacks to that same style of like kind of booming um like intro shot and booming music that like if the if the theater does it wrong it can come off as too loud but um i mean mine had it mine had it right personally and so it was really just a strong um a strong soundtrack i guess is what you'd say one last question we do have the advent of this being tuesday october 10th so this movie's been out for six days now five days now uh wide and it's it was the number one movie in america but it's widely considered a a bomb the the budget was over 200 million um i think it made 30 million in the united states it made a little bit more uh internationally uh 
Do you guys have any theories on why people don't want to see a Blade Runner movie? It's, it's very similar to the first one in that it's widely critically acclaimed, but was a box office flop. I think that has to do with like, it was just too long ago. I, I think a lot of people our age just haven't seen the original. I think that kind of hurt it and it might've been too long of a gap, but I think this is also just like the first where you give it a couple years and it'll be considered a classic because it really is like all of, all of the reviews, like even if you don't look at the reviews and you just go watch it on your own, this is a really incredible piece of work that Villanueva, Dennis Villanueva put out there and it's a really amazing film. Like I, I'll, it's one of my favorite movies that I've ever seen. I mean, could it be because millions of people across America just got their movie passes in the mail, and so that's screwing up the whole <laughs> box office process, Mikey? I was thinking, honestly, I was thinking about that too. I wonder how they're calculating box office with, with all these people that have gotten movie passes recently. Do you know what the so original I don't know. Like, rollout was? Like how many people so, got uh, the first? How, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. It's been around for like a couple of years. But well, the original price point was like fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah, and then since it dropped the price, everybody started jumping on it. But I don't, I really don't know how they calculate box office now with that. So that might be a factor. Yeah. Um. As far as like actual reasons, I pretty much agree with Mikey. I think that the first movie is not only. I mean, it's getting pretty old at this point, and I think that kind of our generation is maybe the last ones to. Uh, not the last ones, but like, it's uh, like I don't have a lot of friends our age that have seen this movie, um, and so there might not be a lot of desire to see it from that standpoint. It's also, you know, a three-hour movie that's not necessarily like a like a date night movie or anything like that. It's not exactly a popcorn flick. Um, but with that being said, it is the kind of movie that I'm really, really happy that I saw in theaters. Um, I think it adds a lot to the experience, and like it, it won't it won't do it justice like in your TV at home. And so I would recommend it to anybody to go see it in theaters while it's still out. So I can take that as a yes from you, Jordan. Yeah, for sure. What uh, do you see this film being nominated or potentially even winning any Academy Awards? Just generally, sound, visuals, direction. Uh, I think visuals, possibly direction. Um. I can't think of any, I, like, I don't know if the actor's performances really stand out, but I also uh, am not an authority figure on that after losing our Oscars game last Dead year. Last. <laughs> 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 I got fucking Fair toasted point. in that I game. Mean, so... The Oscars are a crapshoot. I mean, some movies you just have no idea what's going to win, but I think this has a really good chance of winning like cinematography and sound design and maybe even score i mean the score is pretty amazing um but yeah science fiction films just don't do so well at the oscars in like the really big categories so i don't know if it would win i don't know if it would bring home like a best actor or a best director or anything like that i would hope it would but uh it's just impossible to tell what about your yes or no i assume it's a hard yes yeah a definite yes like Jordan said, I would go see it in the theater if you can. But if you can't, you will you should definitely watch it at home. And yeah, I just have to echo what, what you guys said. Uh, it's a hard yes for me. And I, I think it's really a, a shame because like this is the kind of movie that should make a shit ton of money. And it's not yeah. going to. And it's just going to discourage more people from making these kind of films. Like, 
And if you haven't seen any of uh, Denny Villeneuve's movies, he is on a five-movie hot streak that's better than any other director out there. I would say it's better than Christopher Nolan. Uh, Blade Runner 2049, Arrival was my favorite film last year. Sicario is a lot of people on this pod's favorite film of 2015. Enemy and Prisoners. Those are five movies stretching back to 2013 that are all eight and a half, nine, ten out of ten. So this Damn. is a yes for me. If you if you do have a chance to like see this in theaters, just just do it to support it with your money. To hopefully we can get more movies like this. Um, I see this getting a best direction nod. I probably see uh, sound uh, sound mixing, um, art direction. I'm going to predict a win for art direction. I'm going to predict a win for Hans Zimmer's score. I think Hans Calling Zimmer it early. Double, I think Hans Zimmer's going to double dip with two nominations, Wonder Woman and uh, Blade Runner 2049. But yes nice. for me, go out there and see this. And then uh, if you haven't seen any of Denny Villeneuve work, you should definitely check it out because so he's, one of the best direct, <laughs> he's one of the best directors out there. Born October 3rd? Isn't that what really? Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> Born October third. Yeah, so October. Be- so- <laughs> Pat, before we send it off, um, I I didn't mean to bring this up earlier, but like the kind of twist towards the end where we find out that Kay is not the kid. Um, did did you guys was that a mind fuck for you? Were you like I I think it was kind of suspicious the whole time, but it really flipped the movie on its head to kind of find the original child. What did you guys think? I think that what that plot point did and that Kay's whole story is what makes this vastly better than the original Blade Runner because the original Blade Runner, all of the like commentary in it comes from the secondary nature of the movie. You know, it's about being in the future and it's about like how divisions of people are treated. Whereas like Ryan Gosling's character K thinks he's the one, the prodigy, you know what I mean? And then yeah. he finds out he's not and he still chooses to help people. Like this gives you all of the social commentary with an actual like character arc and character development. And for me, that plot is why I think this is far superior to the original Blade Runner. Uh, yeah. I mean, it kind of halfway through the movie, you think he is the, the prodigal son, so to speak. But, uh, I mean, he's he he's dealing with a lot of existential, like, hard truths to deal with. Uh, so it is kind of a mindfuck at the end when he's not the son of Deckard. But I don't know. I think uh, it was a good plot twist. I guess the only problem I have with it is you just don't really know so much about the other child, the girl who manufactures all of these memories and stuff. I don't know if they're planning like another sequel sometime in like 40 years, but uh, I don't know. I kind of kind of just wanted a little bit more into what uh, her backstory was, I guess. What her, I don't know how, how she related to Deckard. I think you guys both hit the nail on the head. I think the the fact that she is the, the, like the creator of all the best memories, I think is a pretty big hint early on. I'd be interested to see like watching it back, like knowing that going forward, how much it kind of sticks out. Um, but I really do think it, makes it work as kind of a almost like a like a matrixy thing where like you think he's the one and it's like his discovery of his own humanity i guess but then you find out that he's not yet he's still gone through this process and he feels human i think to the audience as well and he 
pretty much sacrifices himself at the end. It's such like a great like twist on the hero's journey. It's like if Luke Skywalker got halfway through the series and learned he wasn't uh, Darth Vader's son and didn't have the Force. Like it's it's a complete like mm-hmm. kind of shift. That's very jarring yeah. for like against mm-hmm. all traditional storytelling, but. Uh, yeah, so three yeses. This movie's preserved. Go out and see it. Uh, we'll give Spoiler Man the night off. The only plug that I have is if you liked what you heard tonight, uh, check out our spooky spoilers all October. We review old movies. We have some Rick and Morty episodes up there. Uh, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud to keep up with the latest stuff we do. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Josh, who is at the Cubs game tonight, or the would be Cubs game. Um, it sounds like it got postponed until tomorrow, so hopefully you can still get up there, but fuck the rain, man. Prayers for Josh. Go Cubs. Thanks for listening, and that was... Boss. Boss, baby. Spoilers. <laughs>